When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And flipped it away! King goes for it! What a goal from Harry Kane! Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they did it! I cannot believe it! Stevie Wonder. Stevie Bergwijn. Romero scores for Tottenham Hotspur. Song goes on and scores. Quite remarkable. Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping very, very safe and well. Thank you so much for joining us for a midweek edition of Last Word on Spurs, where unfortunately it's that time of the season now where there is no games to review. Spurs out of all the cups, but of course in the midst of a real top four battle that the pressure just seems to be increasing day by day, game by game. If you're listening to the show for the first time, you can find us on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Audio Boom, we're across a range of different audio platforms. We're, of course, on Twitter, at Last Word on Spurs. We're on Facebook and Instagram, too. And I'm joined by three great returning guests on the Last Word on Spurs. The man, bottom left of my screen, you're asking, where's he been? Where's he been? Due to games this season, it's been tricky, but we've finally found a way to get him on. Midweek is the key. We've got the brilliant Chris Cowling on from his wonderful YouTube channel, Chris Lovely to have you here. How are you? Lovely to be back, Rick. Thanks so much for having me on and great to be back uh, on the show with Emma and Mitch this time and uh, looking forward to talking about lots of things Tottenham Hotspur and hopefully yeah. we can get that top four spot. Fingers crossed. I bet you weren't looking forward to talking about that quarter past 10, half past 10 last night, Chris. Oh, the football this season, the nature of it, just this roller coaster of top four all the time, up and down, twists and turns. Was Chris said there, we're delighted to be also joined by two great returning guests, the last one on Spurs. From Football London, we've got the brilliant Emma, the duvet with us. Emma, love to have you back on. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. Um, just echo what Chris said, good to be back on. Never a dull day, writing about Tottenham, supporting Tottenham. So yeah, looking forward to getting into it. Amen. Oh, Fantastic. And also pleased to bring this man back. Now, the last time he was on, Chris got a shock when he just came into the green room. He heard the words Europa Conference League and nearly ran back out. We've glad to say we've managed to find him. We've brought him back into the room. We've got the brilliant artist, Mitchie, joining us. Mitchie, love to have you back on. You survived the Conference League. You should get a medal for that one. How are you? <laughs> no, glad to be back on, man. Literally, like Emma said, just to echo what everyone else said. Happy to be back on and um, 
yeah, just exciting times, exciting times. <laughs> yep. Oh, absolutely. Exciting times. A real top four battle that we find ourselves in, which only increased with pressure last night. Chris, let's come over to you to start the show. Arsenal's win up at Stamford Bridge has really heightened the pressure on this top four battle. It does mean now that Arsenal are level on points with Spurs once again with six games remaining for both clubs. Chris, how do you see this battle for the top four? Here we go. Here we go. Um, I'll tell you what, some of Arsenal's results recently, um, you know, who could have predicted them? Who could have predicted last night? Who could have predicted them losing at Crystal Palace 3-0 um, a couple of weeks ago? Um, but the Premier League at the moment is so unpredictable. Um, of course, who would have predicted our result against Brighton, you know, having uh, done so well in previous games, scoring lots of goals? Um, it's going to be very, very hard. Um, of course, we've got a much better goal difference um, than our North London rivals at the moment. But we've got six very, very tough games coming up. Um, I really don't know how to call it because, you know, you think that Spurs are going to turn up, um, you know, against teams like Brighton, you know, w- that we should have won. And Antonio Conte rightly said, you know, if you if you can't win the game, then don't lose the game because every single point is going to be vital come the end of the season. And I just hope that Antonio Conte and our players now can step up and just get us over that line because... You know, we joke about the Europa Conference League. You know, I went to all of those games. You know, the, you know, having gone from Champions League final to then Europa League to then Europa Conference League, it is nowhere near where we want to be. We've got a world-class manager. We've got some fantastic players and we need to be back in the Champions League, especially with the stadium and the training facilities and everything else we've got. But it's going to be very, very tough. But we've got to get over that line. We've got to put in six fantastic performances. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, you know, Chris, um, I'm sure on your show as well, you've referenced it. You know, we can't even say the word cup final because Spurs don't win cup finals. So we keep saying FA Cup fifth round, six Do, of them know, remaining. A couple of games ago, I, I kept saying on my channel, we've got seven cup finals left. We've got eight cup finals left. I've stopped saying it because cup finals and Tottenham, yeah. it just doesn't go very well. And, you know, of course, I've been to so many of these cup finals where sadly we haven't won. Um, but yeah. talking about cups, you know, Pochettino is about to win the league with PSG. Vinicius... Uh, on loan with us last season, won a yep. uh, trophy the other day. It's, it's just ridiculous. And I'm sick of seeing former players and managers keep leaving our club. And then within six months a year, they're, they're lifting trophies at other clubs. So I just want to see success at Spurs. And I hope that under Antonio Conte, we, we, we're not that far, far away. Yeah, totally agree. Em, let's come out of you. Any surprise, you remember that Arsenal got that win up at Stamford Bridge and we didn't get that favour from Chelsea? I mean, as you were saying before, Chelsea never do us favours, so <laughs> wasn't really surprising. Um, you know, I think I do echo uh, everything Chris said. I think, you know, Tottenham have shown in in results and performances this season that, you know, we can put on good performances, we can get good results. And it is just trying to keep that mentality and keep that consistency, you know, that, that key word that we seem to struggle with. But it is just keeping that consistency in the final six games of the season. I think... Last night and recent results from loads of teams across the league has just shown that nothing can be taken for granted. You can't be complacent. So I think whether last night was expected or not, it's happened. And we've now just got to look forward um, to and just focus on Tottenham's last six games and, you know, hope the teams around us drop points. Absolutely. Mitchie, coming over to you, you know, we're in that situation now where Arsenal can move three points clear of Spurs if they beat Man United on Saturday lunchtime and we're not kicking off until 5.30, obviously UK time. What's your thoughts on that for you, Mitchie? You know, do you think Spurs are going to be able to handle that pressure 
of playing second to Arsenal now, respectively, at the weekend? I mean, it could work out in our favour, but, you know, in my in my experience of obviously supporting Tottenham and whatnot, pressure, we don't really do well, very well in, in, under these circumstances. Um, I'm hoping for the best. I feel like, like, like Chris said, the team we have, and obviously coming up, up against Brentford, and even with Ericsson, it will be an emotional game, but I feel like, you know, I'm quite confident at the same time, I feel like we can come away with a win um, and it could work in our favour. I mean, if Arsenal lose and we win, then obviously it puts us in pole position. So I'm excited and I'm, I'm quite confident to see how we do. Yeah, Chris, I mean, where do you sit on this whole pressure thing? Because Spurs, obviously, now they're in that situation where with Arsenal, it feels like the game's coming up. Spurs are playing secondary in a lot of those games. I mean, we've you've been on the channel so many times about Spurs and the way we try and handle pressure and maybe our lack of being able to handle it. Do you have a concern at the way those fixtures are falling in these upcoming weeks? Well, there's there's no easy game in the Premier League, is there? The, the, the Premier League is so unpredictable at the moment. When you see some of the results in the last few weeks, um, I'm sure that you know that top four race in these remaining six games is going to change around quite a lot in the next uh, few weeks, again and again. Um, but how many times have we said on this channel under Pochettino, under Jose Mourinho, now under Antonio Conte. We always sit here, you know, really, uh, you know, big smiles on our faces, thinking that we've turned a corner and thinking that the trophies are coming and thinking that, um, you know, success is on its way. And then, you know, things happen. Things just happen to Tottenham. Um, You know, many people, including our good friend Anthony Costa, says that Tottenham's cursed, um, you know, so many times. But it is frustrating. But I do believe, um, you know, Antonio Conte has turned this club around. Um, you know, we jokingly said off air about Nuno Espirito Santo. I can't believe, and I've never known a season, even uh, you know, even during COVID, uh, for a season just to drag on so much. Um, I'm, I've almost forgotten about Nuno being our manager. It just feels so long ago. Um, but Antonio Conte, um, you know, he's improved players, he's improved our league position, and most importantly, he's built our expectations to now finish in the Champions League, which he even said in his presser today, you know, we, we were nowhere near that um, a short while ago. So, you know, he's turned this club around, and, you know, to, for us to even be sitting here talking about Champions League, I just think he's absolutely remarkable, and he's done a, a fantastic job so far. And I just think that if he's backed in the right way, um, he will bring success. And I know I'm going to say that an awful lot on this channel uh, tonight, you know, but I just fully back Antonio Conte. Um, everything he's trying to do, everything he's done so far, very, very impressed with our boss. Yeah, I and mean, I think you're right there, Chris. And you also consider, you know, when he, spurred, when he took over Spurs, they were ninth in the Premier League. Now they've got themselves in a situation where top four is achievable. I think many of us are still quite surprised that Spurs find well, themselves in this situation. Look, look uh, a week or so ago, Matt Doherty mm. being out injured. We were yeah. all absolutely devastated. Who would have mm. thought that all of us would have been devastated about a player like him, um, you know, being out injured for the rest of the season? That's how Antonio Conte has improved players. And it's, and it's great to see. Yeah, no, I must admit with Doherty, I, I've been quite naive about that. I didn't think it would have the impact that it would. And I look now and think Spurs have got a real issue down that right-hand side. You know, I've thought about the option, maybe would he drop Kulisevsky back, but then Kulisevsky's been playing so well, apart from obviously the last game. <laughs> Bergvine, is that an option? I mean, listen, he was there pretty much under Mourinho, where he was made to play such a defensive, rigid role. Maybe that's a potential option. I mean, Emma, before we discuss that, coming over to you, you know, that was a priceless win for Arsenal. It obviously ended a run of three successive defeats. For them now, aside from the derby and their two fixtures this week, Arsenal still got to play West Ham, Leeds, 
Newcastle and Everton. Some really tough games in there. But psychologically, how big do you think that win will be for Arsenal in the battle for this top four race? Yeah, I think, you know, it's definitely going to give them a boost. And I think, you know, as as you've just said, you know, on paper, they have got some difficult fixtures as of Tottenham. But I think, you know, they've got those difficult fixtures, but they've just beaten Chelsea. So, you know, they'll probably go into a lot of those with that added confidence, with an added boost. We all know what some momentum can do to a team. Um, and I think especially because they, they needed that win as well. I just think it, it's only going to give them a boost as much as it pains me to say. But, you know, I do think I've seen some comments as well. Like we do, you know, Tottenham have to focus on their own fixtures. It's obviously very difficult looking at the teams around you, gaining points when we need them to drop them. But I just think, you know, just as we people didn't necessarily expect Arsenal to go and win at Stamford Bridge, you know, some of the games that look a bit easier for them, they might drop points at. So I think, you know, as we've said, anything can happen in the Premier League. Recent games from so many teams have shown, you know, we've beaten Man City twice this season. Who expected that? Do you know what I mean? So I think there's, there's still so much football to play. Um, t- we're we're going to probably get momentum. Hopefully not, but maybe drop points at certain times. You've just got to keep a strong mentality. And I think that's what all the teams are going to do. And we've just got to hope that Tottenham can kind of get over the line. Yeah, no, I agree. Mitch, come over to you. I mean, we know Spurs, they've got to travel to Brentford on Saturday and then our remaining games are Leicester, Liverpool, Burnley and Norwich. I mean, you know, you shouldn't ever say this on paper. You know, they are all winnable games. But as we've seen this week with Spurs, I know Chris is going to probably come back in and tell me as well. You, you, you missed out the North London derby, Rick. You forgot about that. <laughs> I wanted to say the ones that are winnable, I wanted to say the ones that winnable on paper first. I was going to come to Arsenal shortly. <laughs> obviously, of course, Arsenal win there as well. Of course, Arsenal win there as well. Um, listen, it's a, a tough, tough games to come. Mitch, on paper, and as Chris referenced that, London derby as well with Arsenal, hoping forget it, the big crunch game of the season. With what's to come, is top four in your eyes still achievable on the back of what's been a damaging week for the club? Obviously, losing to Brighton, then Arsenal getting that result up at Stamford Bridge. Here's what, I, here's what I'll say. I was so confident that we were going to come away with at least a draw against Brighton. Especially because we, we, you know, it's frightened. You know, what I mean, no disrespect, but come on. I mean, we're clearly the better team on paper. So when we came away with the loss, I was a bit like, this is going to be harder than I thought. <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, like I said, I, I feel like on paper, um, yes, we, we should come away with, you know, majority wins. But at the same time, you know, it's the last stretch of the season. There's a lot of pressure. Players might be tired towards the end of these, these last this last set of games. And the North London derby as well. That's going to take a lot out of players mentally as well. So, um, I'm like I said, I'm always hoping for the best. Realistically, I feel like we will lose a couple games. You know, if we're judging off how we come across, um, how unpredictable, like Chris said, the Premier League is, um, we could come away with a, a couple losses and we could come away with a few wins. But I'll, I'll say like, yeah, I feel like we'll win a few of these games and a couple other fixtures might surprise us. Chris, only right to bring you in on that top four race. You obviously referenced Arsenal very clearly there. How could I ever so much not even mention them? Um, obviously, which was deliberate, deliberate, uh, deliberate, should I say? But Liverpool away, Arsenal obviously at home, uh, Burnley at home for Spurs, then Norwich on the final day. Chris, do you think to yourself, rather than paying attention to each individual fixture now, you have to take each game in isolation? Because I think we've gone past the point now of trying to predict where there's a win, where there's a draw, where there's a, where there's a defeat. Every game now in its own right is, as we say, we don't need to keep using that word cup final, but every game is so vital now. Well, I think the, the the hardest two games out of the six are definitely Liverpool away and Arsenal at home. That Arsenal game is going to be, 
so important for so many reasons. Um, but the Liverpool away game, um, you saw the way that they just, um, you know, swept Manchester United away the other night. And they just look so uh, good at the moment. And of course, we have a very, very poor record um, in our history at Anfield, not only in recent history, but our whole history. Um, the Brentford game away um, this Saturday, I know we're going to be talking about that later, but that is going to be an extremely hard game. They've won five out of their last six um, in the Premier League. The left the home game, I think, is going to be difficult as well. Um, you know, on paper, and of course, football is never played on paper. And of course, um, all of us always sit here and say, oh, we'll win that one, we'll lose that one, we'll win that one. It's all it's all well and good us, you know, predicting the results. But, you know, most of the time we're never right. Um, but when you do look at the fixtures, Burnley at home and Norwich away for the final couple of games, um, you know, we should win both mm-hmm. of those matches. So up until the Arsenal game, it is going to be very, very important. But we really do need to just, as a football club now, focus because Antonio Conte and the players have got us to this stage where none of us probably felt that we would be anywhere near the Champions League. Um, you know, to get to this, uh, you know, get this far, six games uh, to go, it's very, very important. And as I keep saying, we desperately need Champions League. And I want to hear that music in that stadium yeah, again very soon. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Chris, do you have a concern you know, when that Arsenal game and how it falls, whether Spurs are on level points or, yeah, behind on the points against Arsenal in that North London derby? Because my, I think my fear was going into that game, I don't want to be in a situation where Spurs are behind on the table to Arsenal, where they have to win to almost either level up on points or like I say, keep within a within a distance there. That's a big worry to me. I just wanted to be in that situation where we're going to that North London yep. derby above them. After watching Arsenal um, demolish Chelsea um, last night, I feel your worry as well. And I share that worry. I really do. Um, you know, up until a week or two ago, I was fairly confident that we would finish in the top four. And now I really don't know how to call it. Of course, I'm hoping, wishing, praying that Spurs get over that line. But it, it does worry me. You know, you look in every single fixture... Um, it's going to be very, very difficult. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Well, the top four battle will roll on. Uh, we are going to go for our first break of the show. For our listeners on audio and taking this break, you're going to hear from Oliver Skip, who has just signed a new deal with the football club. And that's what we are turning to our attention to next. You can never have thought that young boy walking through at six, seven and then signing at under nines you'd get to this stage. So I'm delighted uh, to sign this new deal. It's something that I'm very grateful for. I think it means means a lot when you've grown up at this club, my whole family support the club. It means a lot when when you step out in front of of the crowd. Uh, I've missed that feeling obviously in the last few months, Um, but no, it's something that I'm pushing to to feel that again. So we've not seen you for a little while now. Give us an update, what's going on? Uh, I don't know if you remember, third, fourth game of the season with England. So I came back and then um, it was, I think it was the Palace game. Uh, so it dates quite far back in terms of I've been having a problem, but I've been managing to get through it. Come international break, I had an injection, which um, other players have had in the past. And the hope was that the original pain would, would go. And uh, that's not been the case and there's been various times where I felt like I was I was getting there but with the nature of this injury it hasn't materialized that I've come back yet it's been a really frustrating one for me the most difficult part of it has been 
really the unknown in terms of like when I was out before, you knew a, a set time, two months, etc. But with this one, it was just about being patient and it's something that is going to happen in football careers and I'll definitely make sure when I'm back that I'll be right. And of course you made your debut in 2018. I mean, that seems quite a long time ago now yeah. as well, Skippy, but I mean, you've progressed and progressed since then and everyone's watched your progression. Absolutely delighted, all Spurs fans. Love to see a player coming through the academy like you have. Where do you see yourself as a, as a player at the moment? In those few months that I had with, with the boss uh, when he first came in, I think I was really starting to improve and to, to understand his philosophy. And I think that you can see that in the team, uh, everyone implementing his ideas. And I think that he's a coach that, that will push you. And I think that, that really helps me in terms of I'm always someone that wants to be going to the next level, the next target. So I feel like I was, I was playing well, but there was still a lot of improvement that, that can definitely be had. And even when I've been injured, I've been in all the meetings, watching training. So you still, although you're not out on the grass, you're still understanding the concepts that he wants, the philosophy. And I think that it's almost something that I've tried to do is to maybe take on more information whereas when you're playing okay sometimes you try to keep things simple in your mind at times as well but when you've had this opportunity I've really been interested in in the, the tactics and the understanding what what he wants from various players on the pitch. So you've signed your new deal what's next for you then Skippy what, what's the next steps? The obvious thing get fit um, but that'll happen and when I'm back just to really push on from that first half of the season that I had. I feel like there's a lot more that, that I can, in the next level I can get to and I'm really, really looking forward to, to showing that when I'm back. I think pre-season will be massive for me again, just to make sure I'm 100% right for, for that start of the next season uh, and to really, really push on again. Turn our attention to Oliver Skip, where Spurs were delighted to announce that he signed a new long-term contract with the club until 2027. Uh, we know he's still currently recovering from injury. But Emma, to start with you, Oliver Skip, how good news is this to tie down the Englishman to a new long-term deal with a football club? Yeah, I think it's it's great news. You know, obviously before his injury, I think he was impressing everyone after his successful loan at Norwich. I think, you know, he was playing so well in the middle and I think sort of more time with Antonio Conte um, will only do him good. Um, you know, I was his sort of his comments about that he's still in meetings, he's still watching training, you know, so he's obviously still got that desire and that fight. And obviously it must be so frustrating, especially given how young he is as well, to have this injury setback. Um, he was also on Tottenham's Twitch stream last night and, you know, he was responding to talks about him being the next captain. Um, and I think he, he also speaks with such maturity, like, you know, he is, he's only, what, 21 and, you know, he's... He, I think he's he's got he shows maturity on the pitch. He shows quality on the pitch. He he looks like to me that he's been playing in the Premier League for years. And I think you know he's only going to improve because of his age. You know, with you know with working with Conte once he's recovered from his injury. Hopefully, you know, with the players around him, potential new players as well. I think he's only going to improve. So I think it, it's great news that he's you know signed the new contract and felt like a long time coming. 
Yeah, I agree. Mitch, coming over to you. So far, he's made 28 appearances in a Spurs shirt. We know they've been fairly limited this season due to the injury he has suffered. Uh, how much, Mitch, do you think we've missed him in the middle of that midfield for us? Yeah, I think we've missed him quite a lot. Um, going back to what Emma said as well, he plays like such an experienced midfielder. And I feel like having a player as well who's grown up at the club, it is nice as well for the fans to see. And almost at this period in time, you want players like that who've, like I said, grown up at the club, they they, they care for where we finish, you know. Um, I feel like sometimes I might be missing uh, in terms of like the hunger, you know. And then when we have players like that, that are gone, you know, it, it is a big hit to the team, you know. Um, that's just how I feel on it. Chris, your thoughts, Oliver Skip. I know, Planet, listen, you've referenced on your channel that you've been so impressed with how quickly he's taken to that Spurs midfield. I think we can arguably say that um, in the days of Nuno, that was the real one beaming light that you could see a really good player coming through. He's already been referenced as becoming potentially a captain for the future. How important is that, Chris, for you to see the football club actively going about their work, tying down to a new long-term contract? Clearly a player that is thought a lot of by Antonio Conte. Well, every single manager that he's played under um, has referenced him as, as being a great player, a great individual and, a, and possibly a future captain of our club. But um, 21 years old. Imagine you've you've already played under Pochettino, Jose Mourinho and now Antonio Conte. There's not many 21 year olds that could say that. But it's interesting what Emma said about, you know, it looks like he's been there for years because I used to watch him back, uh, you know, like in the under 23s. And he burst sort of on, onto the scene when he was sort of 17 years old. He was playing around players 21, 22, 23, and he looked a cut above the rest. Um, even at 17, playing in those games. You know, he's controlling matches in the centre of the park. Absolutely superb. And, you know, for me to now see him in the Premier League, um, you know, doing so well. And, and as Mitchie said as well, you know, we have really missed him this season. Benson Kerr, of course, has come in in the January transfer window. But, um, you know, Skippy has been absolutely superb for us. And when a player goes out on loan, you know, a full season to a championship club, which, of course, Norwich was last season, and do so well, you know, getting Man of the Match awards week in, week out. I wasn't at all surprised. And, you know, for them to come back from the Championship into the Premier League and, and, and given us those performances that he has been, um, I'm really excited about seeing more of him. And uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised what the uh, former bosses have said, particularly Jose Mourinho, about Oliver Skip being a future captain of the club. When everybody is fit, Chris, for you midfield-wise, does he still make the first team? It's a question I ask every single guest of mine on my channel and no one can answer it. Um, I don't, I don't, a lot of people say, and I, and I suppose I agree with it. I suppose that Hoybier will probably step away uh, and Skip will come in and play with Benz and Kurt. But who knows, as, an, as an Antonio Conte's choice. And it's a fantastic uh, problem to have, you know, having, um, you know, decent quality players ready to come in into the squad and into the starting eleven. Yeah, nicely uh, shifted away there, Chris. Nicely dodged. Uh, and coming over to you, what do you think, what's the update on, on him from your perspective, Skip? I mean, do you think we'll see him again this season in the Spurs shirt? I mean, I know Conte was asked about it before, about is it best to sort of just save him? And he didn't want to, but I think it's now, he, he doesn't look like he's getting that much closer to a return. And I don't know if it's, you know, he was saying as well to sort of have have that pre-season where he can just really, you know, the worst thing we'd want to do is bring him back too early and then, you know, something goes wrong and then it just all gets worse and goes even more downhill. You know, obviously I agree. I think we have missed him, but is is there, is there it's whether that risk is worth taking. And I don't, 
as far as I know, I don't think he's sort of that much closer to a return. So I, I, I think personally it would be best, you know, as much as we do miss him, to sort of have that pre-season where he can just really work hard and have the whole summer to work hard to then come back even stronger at the start of next season. And I think, yeah, I think this whole thing as well about, you know, will he be in the starting eleven? I think another thing that Tottenham have struggled with is the lack of quality in the squad depth, you know, it's how good is it going to be to actually have some options where you can bring someone on in the middle of the field and not think, well, they're not really going to help. You know, I, so I think whether it is Skip and Bentanka or Hoiberg, you know, whoever the pairing is, there'll be that other person who can come in. They can make those rotations. And I think it's only going to help when he's back. But I do think it might be best to save him in for next season unless he makes a miraculous recovery. Yeah, you know what, it, it's a real debate about Skip because I think we've seen that when he's in the team, he definitely gives Spurs another option and a player that I think we do miss that almost forward thinking, which to be fair, Benton Kaur has given us since he's arrived at the club. Mitch, for you, how keen would you be to see him almost try and be pushed into playing again this season? Or would you be in favour of saving him for next season, get a good preseason under his belt and then go again? Yeah, I'd go with the latter. Um I feel like, yeah, the, the squad we have at the moment, um, we're already under the, I don't want to say tutelage, but we're already under the influence of, of content. I feel like um, with these games coming up, I mean, it, maybe we could use him for a few games, but I feel like it would be great for, for him to kind of sit this one out, sit the rest of the season out, and then obviously come back in and at least be able to then be fully charged for the rest of next season, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Chris, on paper, when you look at the games we've got to come, we, we haven't got too many options in that midfield, have we, really? You know, we've been lucky so far, Touchwood, that, you know, Bentoncourt and Hoybier, to some degree, have been ready and available to play the one game a week. But, you know, when you look at what we've got on the bench, we need to change things in midfield. As we saw at the weekend, we are really limited there. I know, obviously, there's not, Harry Winks hasn't got, you know, a huge amount of fans out there at the moment. Um, and that's nothing against Harry Winks. I just think where Spurs are looking to go, ideally, as a club, maybe for Winks, it just comes to that natural end for him. It's a difficult one because, again, as I said, you look on what we've got option-wise, would you maybe escalate Skip coming back quicker than what we need to be? Well... Interestingly, Emma said about the, uh, the the squad depth, and that is something that we really, really do need to focus on in the yeah. summer. You know, how many how many times have we said, you know, year after year after year about having a backup striker or, or an, an alternative striker? Of course, we had Carlos Vinicius on loan last season, but um, before that, you know, the last striker that we signed on a permanent deal was back in 2017 for Nano It's yeah. an absolutely ridiculous stat. We need mm -hmm. to, you know, really work on the squad depth. But this is what really worries me in these remaining six games. Up until this point, I think we've done very well uh, with injuries uh, to key players. But, you know, in these remaining six games, if we suddenly have an injury, uh, you know, to one of our top stars, you know, this could be disastrous, you know, for our push for the Champions League. Um, but I just want to go back to your point about Harry Winks. Um, it's interesting that as soon as we lost uh, to Brighton, yeah, um, yeah. So suddenly, it's Harry, yeah. suddenly it's all Harry Winks's fault. I, I, mm. I, I don't quite understand that that mentality of uh, you know. I know some some fans like players, some fans don't like certain players, but when there's a whole blame put on to one or two players yeah. constantly when we lose, I just think it's so unfair. And of course, this week. You know, we've seen that uh, Harry Winks has now unfollowed Tottenham official on Instagram and all these sorts of things, which I don't really like seeing. Um, you know, there's a lot of online hate, uh, you know, towards Harry Winks, which I don't really like seeing. But 
um, you know, going back to your question, um, you know, no, we don't have enough depth. And that is something that I'm sure, you know, other managers have tried to, to sort this previously. But I don't think Antonio Conte will want to go into next season, um, you know, with such little depth in the squad. So, you know, with, with regards to skip, I mean, you mentioned that point about Winks, and it's not, I agree with you, you know, the difficulty is with Spurs, I feel like the, the changes at the weekend, I mean, they weren't, how can I put this politely, that, that there was nothing... The, the, the thing, I know, I know what you're going to say, Rick, but, but, but the squad is very limited. Antonio Conte, this is why yeah. I sing the praises of Antonio Conte, because yeah. the squad, we all know, has limitations. Yeah. The squad has limitations and what he's done with this squad and how he's improved certain players to get us into this position to be in a Champions League spot with six games to go. I think he's done a remarkable job, um, but um, he can only use the players he's got. Mm. I think my argument is that I'm, I'm surprised that we didn't try on the weekend to maybe bring Sessegnon on, change up a little bit. Maybe, like I say, that I think that's an option where... I was quite surprised, unless Session was still carrying a knock. I don't know what you thought, Emma, from your perspective. Was you surprised at the weekend that we didn't try and be a bit more adventurous? Um, it just felt a bit samey-samey, you know, Benton Kuroff for Winks. And I agree with you, Chris. You know, I don't think any player, you know, should be given a partial blame for it when he's only on the field for 20 minutes. He's not had a regular run of games. You just can't expect the player to come in and hit the ground running. Did it surprise you, Emma, the lack of changes at the weekend? Yeah, I think... I think, um, yeah, on Winks as well, I do think he's one of the scapegoats that, you know, Tottenham fans have. I think there's a few players that do always blame goes to them. I think, I do agree. I think it's it's such a difficult one because I agree with Chris, you know, Conte can only work with what he's got. And when you don't have that quality in the depth of the squad and you don't have those players on the bench that uh, you think can definitely come on and change the game, it's hard to not go with the same thing. But I do agree. I think I would have brought Sessegnon on on the weekend ahead of a couple of the others because I do think, you know, it, you know, the past few games has been Bergvine on and more on. And of course, we've seen them this season make an impact when they've come on. But also, yeah, why not just see what, you know, Sessegnon's also been out with injury. Um, and I think, he needs to get his match fitness up. And I think it would have been maybe good to sort of bring him on, add, see what sort of flair he could bring down the left-hand side. And I do, I think, I think it's very difficult. And I also think, you know, talking about bringing players in in the summer and people are saying, well, oh, well, they'll replace this person, but it's not just about replacing. We need players. You need squad players in your team. You need those players that, you know, you look at other teams' benches and who they can bring on and you look at ours, you know, and it is that consistency because a lot of those players do come on and produce good cameos and, you know, do make an impact as a sub, but it's, can we have a bench full of players that, you know, we're confident when they come on? And at the moment, I don't think we can say that. How much does that worry you, Mitch, when you look at the squad at the moment that Spurs were almost relying on, you know, if we'd been honest, a core of 13, 14 players, anything beyond that, it feels like the squad is massively stretched. I mean, is that enough between now and the end of the season, in your opinion? Um, I don't think so. I mean, even when I said earlier in terms of like the slight stretch of games, like players will get tired mentally and physically as well. I feel like going into the next season, whether he gets backed or not, I feel like Conte is the type of manager that can, like Chris said, can win us trophies. And in order to do that, we need, like what Emma said, sorry, we need the depth in our squad. Um, for this last stretch of games, hopefully it'll be enough. But like I said, we really need to pull up um, the best results that we can. So I feel like in a regular situation, it might not be the, you know, enough, but... Um, yeah, I feel like we're just going to have to do with the best what we had at the moment. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, I think, as we all know, um, we talk about squad depth and where Spurs need to improve. Uh, one man we know coming back to us, well, we're going to go see him at the weekend. A player that we know very, very well, Christian Eriksen. I'm sure we'll get a wonderful reception from Chris and all those travelling away fans on Saturday. Um, there's a certain irony, Chris, isn't there, to the fact that, you know, with Eriksen, um, we've never replaced him and yet we might be going back to sign him. What's your take on that for you, Chris? Is he a player that you'd like Spurs to explore bringing back to the club come the summer? 100%. We should have signed him in the January transfer window. I understand a number of clubs were uh, looking at him, but some were a little bit um, nervous, if you like, about signing him. Um, But look at the impact that he has had on this Brentford team since returning to the Premier League. I absolutely adore the guy. He's one of my favourite ever Tottenham Hotspur players. Um, of course, um, you know, a lot of us probably thought that he would never, ever play professional football again, me being one of them. Absolutely delighted to see him back, though. And as you've said, you know, we've never, ever replaced Christian Eriksen. So why on earth have we not replaced Christian Eriksen with Christian Eriksen? It's just a no brainer for me. Um, and of course, a free transfer as well, a free <laughs> transfer at the end of this season. And I'm going to sell Christian Eriksen to you now. 232 Premier League appearances, 52 goals. That that means that he scores one Premier League goal every four to five games. 130 wins, um, 28 goals with his left foot, 22 goals with his right foot, 64 assists. Now, this is the sort of player that we need in our team and we have needed since Christian Eriksen left. And uh, I just... And he scored eight free kicks as well. And of course, we always go on, you know, on the channel and my channel, always talking about yeah. who can score a free kick. Well, Christian Eriksen, yeah. put him back in the team. Um, 30 years old, um, six matches this season, one goal, two assists for Brentford. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to see him back. And I know whenever I say this on my channel, I get lots of comments saying, no, we don't want Eriksen back. But the stats, the figures, the facts, mm-hmm. they, they, they speak for themselves. And I just think that his connection with Antonio Conte, um, when you're talking about a player, coming into a team and having an instant impact. He knows Tottenham. He knows half the team there. He knows Antonio Conte. The fans would absolutely adore him. Um, it's just made. He, he should be returning. He's you know, a free transfer as well. Yeah, it, it's funny you say that, Chris, because as you say that, all the comments pour in, both the pros and the cons about Ericsson and why we should and shouldn't bring him back. And it's funny, I mean, David Clark on the screen there says, Ericsson is quality, but I'm one who will never forgive him for downing tools for the last 18 months. I mean, I've got to be honest with you, David. I don't really see it as that for me personally. I think he downed tools in those last 18 months. I just think, you know, naturally, it felt like a lot of those players, Chris, and listen, we spoke about this often, that there was that drop-off, you know, after Poch, where a lot of those players mentally, I think they came to the end of their tenure because they invested so much into Tottenham. Did you want to come back in there, Chris? It's funny, though, because a lot of people say he downed tools, but even though this uh, this period of downing tools, still he, still provided, yep. he, he still provided goals, he still provided assists. One I can remember uh, towards yep. the end of his first career, Wolves away, uh, yep. floating in the corner, come on as a sub. Um, you know, we scored a, a last-minute goal. And, uh, you know, lots of fantastic Christian Eriksen moments. But I'm talking about, you know, bringing in a real quality player, someone you know who can change a game. Now, we talk about subs. Imagine having, uh, you know, a game change like that, Eriksen coming on. Unbelievable. Yeah. God, I mean, listen, how could, how could you... I find it very difficult when you read those stats out, Chris, how um, any negatives could outweigh such positives for Eriksen. Emma, coming over to you... Um, Football London, they came out today and they said that, you know, while Ericsson did not part Spurs on the best of terms with its hierarchy, he loved the club and it's believed that he wants to remain in London. Surely 
Spurs is high up on his list should he want to stay in London, would you believe? Well, yeah. I mean, I just, I echo everything Chris just said. You know, not only does he know the club, he knows Conte, he knows half the players. He's making an impact at Brentford. You know, I think the list goes on as to why. And and he's free. Like, I just, I just honestly don't know why, you know, Tottenham wouldn't put him at near the top of the priority list, but also why he would put Tottenham at the top of his priority list. Obviously, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But I do think, you know, he's come back into the Premier League and he's made such an impact already. Um, and as Chris said, yeah, as a sub, as a starter, you know, I just think there's there's multiple options, you know, if, if Conte does want to change up the formation. And it's like we were just saying in the Brighton game, you know, could Conte have been a bit more adventurous with his subs? Well, Ericsson could have been that person to, you know, come on, slightly change the formation, slightly change it up a bit. And I think, you know, we've seen the impact that he can have on a Tottenham squad. Obviously, I know it's slightly changed, but, you know, there are a lot of the players that he does know. And I just think, yeah, it's a no-brainer, really. So, hopefully, hopefully we're top of his priority list, too. Mm, it's interesting. Mitch, do you share the optimism and the loving to bring Ericsson back? Are you on that train? Yeah, yeah. Even even when he left, I remember when he left, a lot of like Spurs fans had a... I mean, even you could tell with, with Chris as well, a lot of Spurs fans had a lot of love for, for, for Ericsson and rightly so. Do you know what I mean? He was such a great player in the team. And rightly so, again, we haven't been able to replace him. Um, such a player like himself, like if we were able to take him off the bench and come on, like he would be, he would make such a difference in those pivotal moments that we need um, changes in, you know, in these next few games. So I, I would definitely be, um, be up for for having him back in the squad. It's just a question of, you know, would he want to leave your know, Brentford? Because I feel like he's even seems like he's at home there, you know. Um, he's been able to settle in so great, especially after everything that he's been through as well. Um, I would like for him to come back. I would like for him to, you know, look at us as possibly a place that he'd like to come back to. Um, but yeah, whether he whether he'd make that decision, you know, we don't know. But yeah, I'd love to have him back. Chris, question on the screen here from uh, David Clark says, how would Ericsson fit into Conte's system? Conte would have to tweak his team setup. I mean, we know this is a player that Conte knows really well, had him at Inter. Um, they're coincidentally now staying in the same hotel as each other. So, I mean, I, I can't believe, Chris, they've not had some form of a conversation about the summer and what that looks like. They must have think? had a chat. They, they, they must have had a chat or two. He even said in his press conference today that he spoke to Christian Eriksen uh, when yeah. he signed for Brentford. And mm. uh, I'm sure that they've had that conversation. Um, I just think that Christian Eriksen would love to come back to Spurs. And I just think that it would be incredible for that to happen. And I just think he would be a, a real game changer, as I said earlier. I mean, Chris, I know, listen, both of us were heavily involved. Well, last one on Spurs and yourself, heavily involved in the All or Nothing documentary. And um, when you, if you go back and you revert it and watch some of those episodes and the way the Ericsson future played out so publicly on there, it, it did feel that there was, with the hierarchy towards the end, it, it did feel there's a little bit of friction there. Can that just all be resolved very simply? Probably not. And that's probably, uh, that's probably one of the reasons why it may never happen, uh, sadly. Um, but... I think that sometimes um, when you think about how Gareth Bale left as well, you know, that was, that was resolved and that was sorted um, and that was successful. Um, yeah. When you think Gareth Bale scored, uh, what, uh, 16 goals for us last season, yeah. um, Christian Eriksen could have a, a very successful spell uh, for Tottenham again. But um, I think sometimes you just need to, um, you know, forget some of the past, forget what what's happened and think about now. And, you know, when, you're thinking about a real quality player on a free transfer. I think then, you know, Daniel Levy and the board will perhaps want to talk because 
you know, we, we're not going to be spending vast amounts of money. Yeah, it's interesting, Emma. I mean, I'd said that to Chris there about bringing a player back. But, I mean, Spurs under Enoch, uh, they've got, if you look in the past, they've got history of doing this. I mean, Robbie Keane came and went. Jermaine Defoe came and went. Uh, Michel Vaughan came and went. And, you know, Gareth Bowers, you've mentioned, came and went as well. And Ericsson, <laughs> do you think with whatever happened to the hierarchy and because it was so played out publicly on that All or Nothing documentary, do you still feel the club can go there and make this work? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a difficult one. And, you know, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. But I think, you know, I think it will have to it will have to be something that's assessed. And as we've mentioned, you know, getting a player like Ericsson on a free transfer when you know the quality he has, you know, I would hope that, you know, things could be resolved and things could be ironed out, as Chris mentioned, with bail and things. And I just think going back to the sort of formation and the setup as well, um, I think as as you said, you know, Conte knows Ericsson as a player well and, you know, he took a bit of time to settle in in the inter-team. But I think, you know, that there'll be options. You know, he could play behind Kane and Son. Players could sort of, you know, converted, convert to sort of wing-back roles. Various players could so that Ericsson can fit in. So I think, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed that, you know, things could be ironed out. Um, I'd hope that they could. But, you know, it will sort of be a time thing and, yeah, only time will tell. I mean, Luke even says on the screen as well, Teddy Sheringham as well, can't forget, he also came and went under Enoch, came back again. Um, question on the screen here from Adam McFarlane, well, more of a statement from Adam McFarlane on the screen here says, Mitchie, uh, Ericsson won't come back if he's on the bench. Do you think Ericsson is going to be that stubborn that wherever he goes next, he expects and demands first team football? Yeah, no, I, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's been out of football for a minute and um, to come back and like I said, make the impact he has at Brentford. Um, he would probably, you know, feel like, yes, you know, I'm, I'm able to make a difference to a team and I, I believe to be, you know, I expect to be upheld as such. So especially Tottenham as well, he might feel like I can make a big difference or I can help towards um, our quest for Champions League football. So um, I would definitely feel like, yeah, I'd want to come on the bench or, you know, depending on what type of agreement he makes, he would make with Conte, um, maybe for like the first few games, he might be happy, first couple games, sorry. Um, that he's back, he would be happy on the bench. And then after be looking for regular team football, I feel like that would be the most realistic um, scenario. Chris, let's come around and go back. Go for it. Can I just say, Rick, I, I think it would be very different as well because Ericsson went away to Inter, won the league with Inter Milan. And I think that the second spell will feel so different. And and, and I can't stress enough that the, the Spurs fans know what they can expect from him. Yeah. Um, Conte knows what he, he can expect of him. And I don't think that Ericsson would be um, a bench player very often because I think that he would deliver, you know, some great performances for us. And uh, yes, I know a lot of people will say, yeah, but he didn't uh, deliver X, Y and Z in the last 18 months or so. But he, he still delivered in my eyes. Mm, yeah, no, I agree. I think what's also interesting is, as Rob on the screen there says, five subs also next year or next season. Yeah. We're going to need free transfers. We're going to need to really uh, bolster this squad and... Um, no matter, and I know we had to say this, whatever form of European competition Spurs do find themselves in, we're going to have a lot of games next year, regarding or regardless of wherever, what competition we find ourselves in. Do we think it's going to happen? Chris, putting your neck on the line, will it happen? Christian Eriksen back at Spurs? No. I don't think the club will sign him, um, which I think is a big shame. Um I got excited in the January transfer window thinking that we might, uh, you know, he may return to us. And when he didn't in January, I thought it's not going to happen. Um, so I would love it. I would love it to. But yeah, um, yeah I don't think it's going to happen. 
Then I have to ask you, where do you see him going then? <laughs> um, perhaps he'll stay at Brentford. Okay, interesting. Emma, what do you reckon? Ericsson, could that happen to Spurs? Will it happen to Spurs in the summer? Um, I think it definitely could. Whether it will, you know, I, I think, again, it does depend sort of what he what his thoughts are. If he wants to stay at Brentford as well, you know, obviously, because he's made the impact there and he would have had a good six months there, you know, he might want to stay on. But I, I'm going to be a bit more confident than Chris. I'm, I'm a bit more hopeful that it might happen. I don't I don't want to I don't want to get too, too confident because I know that, that that never works with Spurs. But um, no, I definitely think I definitely think it could happen. I hope it will. Um, and hopefully if it does. You know, but yeah, Ericsson back in back in N seventeen. Mm. Mitch, final verdict over to you. Will he be a Spurs player? Come the summer, will he be back in all really white? I love how um, yeah, I love how optimistic Emma is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Chris. I feel like we, we won't we won't. <laughs> I don't feel like we'll sign him. I don't feel like we'll sign him. Um, I feel like Brentford will obviously give him you know give him an option to stay at the club, um, and I don't see why he wouldn't take it and and stay, and stay there for regular football. That's interesting. I, I, I think Chris, what are you thinking? More, yeah. I, well, I, I can't see him staying at Brentford. I think his ambition, I think as we've seen, the impact that he's made there, um, well, he's now started five matches for them. He's been really influential in all, every single one of them. If he's not assisted, he's scored. I can't see Ericsson staying at Brentford just for the point that I think Ericsson will probably feel that he can play some form of European competition next season. Uh, you know, I have to say maybe even Newcastle might be an attractive proposal for where they want to go in the future. But I'd be massively surprised, although Brentford has shown that loyalty to give him the contract if he does stay there in the summer. I'd be massively surprised and I would love to see him end up at Spurs. Purely because of all the stats Chris read out and then told me afterwards that he won't be coming. <laughs> he won't be coming. Um, uh, yeah, looking forward to well, that. You, but, you, you want a realistic answer, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I want honest as well. So at least we can't lose an honest and... <laughs> honest and realistic for Chris Cowden. Fantastic. Um, what we will do is we will go for our last break of the show for our listeners and audio. Taking this break, you're going to hear from Billy from the Besotted Bees podcast who gives us his thoughts ahead of yet another big game for Spurs coming this weekend. Hi, this is Billy Grant from Besotted, the Pride of West London podcast. You can uh, well catch us on prideofwest.london and also if you go to besotted.com, we're also a blog, a podcast, or a fanzine, a vlog. We're all sorts actually. Been going for about 30 odd years and uh, been mainly following Brentford in the lower reaches of the divisions. Division four, as it's called in the old days. Division three, division two, and now in the Premier League. So I've seen it all. Been to Actions and Stanley and your Wrexhams and your, where else, Scunthorpes and uh, all these places which we've had proper laughs to be quite honest with you. And now we're actually playing Premier League football. So it's nice to have seen the rise from the sort of lower echelons of the league to the upper echelons. So, uh, but anyway... I'm going to be talking about the Brentford uh, versus Tottenham game. So thank you very much, Last Word and Spurs, for inviting me on again. It's always good to come on your show. Like I said, you love to love our, uh, love to. You know, we used to love our days back in the day when we were uh, love sport radio together as well. And like I said to you, and uh, to be quite honest with you, I have to be truthful. I never actually did think that you know <laughs> be invited on one of your podcasts as a rival fan in the same division in such a short space of time because we were together just before the before the pandemic hit. Actually, so I uh, wish is all good but anyway just talking about Brentford's season I think this season probably has been described best split up into th- three thirds 
Okay, three sections. The first section, obviously, we came in the beginning of the season. What a fantastic start to the season. You'd love it as well. Beat Arsenal on the first day of the of the season. We did a, a stadium tour, actually. They're doing some new stadium tours, and we were very lucky to have been invited as besotted to one of the first stadium tours a couple of days ago. And uh, when we did the stadium tour through the dressing room and the, the, the dugouts and the, and, the, and the tunnel and all that lot, and they were talking about that Arsenal game, and they said to us, did you know that that game was actually because it's the first game of the season which was watched by a billion people. So a billion people actually saw us beat Arsenal on that day. It was a fabulous day. And we could actually tell that it's obviously quite popular because you know, us being in the Premier League, we've actually, as Besotted, picked up so many listeners from abroad who said that they saw Brentford uh, beat Arsenal on the first day of the season. They knew nothing about soccer and uh, they were so they loved it so much. They did a bit of research and they started following us on our podcast. So it's uh, it's amazing the, the new reach that you get actually coming to the Premier League. But like I said to you, that first game was wonderful. You know, everyone's you know been talking about that all season. For Brentford fans coming into the division, it was a dream come true. You know, Arsenal were the first team that I actually wanted to play at uh, New Griffin Park because we've actually never played uh, Arsenal at any, you know, at, at our ground, at, you know, at our old stadium, a new stadium for what, sort of 60, 70 odd years. So that for me was the one. So yeah, great start to the season. Then, then we had a, a great run of two months where we, you know, we won some, some, some really, some fantastic matches, including at West Ham, up at Wolverhampton Wanderers as well. Like, you know, got a couple of creditable draws and a couple of unlucky losses. Uh, and we looked good. And uh, the one thing I noticed is, like I said to you, we had our first team out, our main team out for those first couple of months. You know, you Ivan Tonys, you and Brian and Bumo. We had Aya in defence, who we signed for thirteen point five million from uh, from Celtic as well. You know, he's a Rolls Royce of a defender. You know, absolutely fantastic for those first two months. And we thought, mm, actually, tell you what, you know, we're a bit worried. You know, Fulham have had problems coming down there. West Bram had problems coming, you know, up into the Premier League, and you know they really struggled. But we thought this is this is not too bad. But people did warn us. They said. After Christmas, you're going to get injuries, and if you get injuries and you can't handle it, you're going to you're going to find it really, really tough. The thing is, our injuries didn't come after Christmas; they came in October. Um, it was uh, the third week in October. I remember it very clearly. We played Leicester. Um, we had the better of Leicester. We didn't put away our chances, which is very Brentford, actually. I think the week before that, we actually played Chelsea. And you probably remember that game. They were 1-0 up in the second half. We absolutely annihilated them uh, in the second half, but couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. But all Brentford fans went away happy. The following week, Leicester, we did the same thing. Couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Leicester scored two world of goals. But then at the very end, we saw our goalkeeper, David Raya, who's a fantastic goalkeeper. He, uh, he We saw him just pull up a little bit but his hand up he continued to the end of the game we didn't think too much of it but the following week he just didn't turn up we had a substitute goalkeeper that we had brought in from Spain who played the following week against Burnley um, he had a bit of a mare the team had a bit of a mare and to be quite honest with you after that we were we were all over the place I have to admit we really were all over the place David um, um, Christian Iyer, um, um sorry Ayer was missing as well um, uh, Christopher Ayer was missing as well in defence and what we noticed is that David Raya, who is like a sweeper keeper, he's a, he's a fantastic keeper, but also we didn't realise how pivotal he was to the way that we played. Him being out, this new goalkeeper coming in, um, uh, Fernandes, and listen, I don't want to disrespect anybody or anything like that, but he was just parachuted in and you could see the whole def- defence was was it disconvolvulated as they say and uh, and we and we really were all over the place and we looked like a completely different team so we were going into games eventually with a finger in the dam just 
hoping we'd get something out of it. So the next two, three months were really rocky for us. And uh, Fernandez played quite a few matches for us as well. And again, I keep saying this because I don't like to point fingers and say it's all your fault because it's a team effort thing. But um, we just didn't, um, we didn't, we, we, we just didn't adjust to actually having those players out of our side. And what it made me realise is that, you know, Brentford, as a first 11, if you know what our first 11 is, we're a very good side indeed. You know, we, we took Liverpool to the, to the wire at home, three all in that fantastic game and all the other games. But as soon as you get one or two players out of our side, we can look a little bit mis- misbalanced. So it was for the players who are coming in, who are doing their job as best as they can do. I mean, at one point we had our sixth in line centre-back, Charlie Good. He actually played against Tottenham in that game as well. So, you know, we, 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 we had, you know, we had Rico Henry, our left back was missing. You know, Ivan Tony was missing through COVID and he was out for a one. Brian and Boomer was out. We, we had Sergi Canos. We had so many players out and we really did sort of kind of struggle through that period. Now, this is the period where all the pundits turn around and say, yes, I told you, you know, Brentford are coming up. No, they wouldn't do anything, you know, but me seeing them week in and week out, I've seen what a good side they are. I've seen what a good manager Thomas Frank is. And I thought to myself, tell you something, what we really need to do we just need to get through this period. If we can get through this period, our players will start coming back and we will be a good side again. So even though there's a lot of fear from Brentford fans that we're going to be struggling uh, this season, I actually wasn't worried. And even on our podcast, like I said to you, Pride of West.London, you can check it out. Um, uh, Ricky's on it this week, actually, as well. And it's out right now on Pride of West.London. But I said all the way along, even though we hadn't won a match for two months, I ain't worried about relegation. It was January and February. I said, I'm not worried about us getting relegated. I really do believe when our players come back, we'll be the side that you saw at the beginning of the season. And, uh, but there was a, a little bit of a kind of icing on the cake because uh, not only have our players started to come back, but we got a signing that, to be quite honest with you, I never saw coming. I don't think any of you would have seen coming. No Brentford fans saw coming as well. Um, I've, I, I go and watch England quite a lot and I, was, I went to all the, the European Championships matches at Wembley uh, this season, uh, this, this year, this summer as well. You know, I've been to 15 tournaments of England, so I'm quite a big England fan, but I also have a little bit of a leaning towards Denmark because, uh, you know, we've got quite a lot of uh, Danish internationals in our side. And when I watched the Denmark match and we saw, you know, Christian Eriksen went down and, you know, he was very close to, to to, to dying in that one I was like wow this is like this is really quite deep I never thought Christian Eriksen would come back and when they said Christian Eriksen is planning a comeback I thought fair play to him you know of course you want to give him all your support <laughs> never in a million worlds that I think he's going to come back and play for Brentford I mean I did speak to one of our sort of kind of senior coaching people said oh it'd be quite nice if we nabbed Eriksen and they kind of went silent on me and I didn't really think that silence was actually well you never know this might be happening so Christian Eriksen um, we signed Christian Eriksen and that signing has come a hundred percent because of his relationship with a couple of the players in the, in the side in particular Christian Norgard who's a fantastic uh, uh, defensive central midfielder and also Jensen as well who he played with as well so those those are two players that he played with in the Danish national side and his relationship with them you know you know that phone calls were going in saying listen you should come down here it's very different you know it's very people orientated it's a very small club but you know we've got a very wicked family atmosphere within it and you, you really like it you know and also Thomas Frank who he used to coach um, when the, I think it was the under-19s of Denmark when Thomas Frank was an under-19s coach back in the day. So that relationship, I think they worked that really hard to book, bring Christian Eriksen in. From what I can understand, he's actually bought a house in Richmond, which is just over the bridge from where the ground is as well. So he's living over there with his wife and, and, and he's very much enjoying life in South West London. So I know there's a lot of rumours going around about Christian Eriksen. Where is he going to go? 
um, when his contract runs out at the end of the season? That's a big question mark. You know, I never thought that he was going to stay at Brentford, but I don't know. Recently, seeing the smile on his face, you know, when he saw him <laughs> when we smashed Chelsea four one the other day, when we beat you know West Ham at home the other day, the massive smile on his face makes me think. Tell you something, you know, this guy's come from a near death experience, and uh, maybe the things that were. Um, valuable to him back in the day. You know, he wants to play for the biggest team with the most money, with the most profile, everything like that may not be important to him anymore. And maybe he just wants to enjoy his football, be around people that he knows, just have some fun, be in a nice, tight atmosphere of a stadium, which Brentford is, and and, and just, just enjoy and see his days out. So let's see how that one pans out. But that was kind of like the back end of the, the bad start of our season when Christian Eriksen came back in. You know, we played Norwich and we beat them. We played Burnley and we beat them. And all of a sudden, everyone said, oh, no, Brentford aren't going to get relegated anymore. They're doing OK. So now we're coming out of that period. Our players who were injured have now come back into the four. Christian Eriksen is actually sort of kind of read, lead, leading the, um, you know, us and our, I say on our attack or on our sort of the back end of the season. And uh, I have to admit that we're actually looking really good. In, in that middle part of the season, you know, um, I have to say that what we were trying to do, we were going into games where we were trying not to lose, which was um, which is not very Brentford because we normally go out and we try and win. We actually play football. Uh, we're not that naive, you know. Um, there's, there are some games where we, we were quite Kevin Keegan. I suppose the best way to see it, I mean, that Liverpool game was a proper Kevin Keegan, not 3 all, like, you know, it could have been 10 all, like, you know. But in, in general, we've actually learned to be a little bit more clever about the the way that we go about our football and we know how to necessarily sit back if we need to and we we try and control games and then try and hit teams whenever uh whenever we can hit them as well but so but we were trying i think too hard to be a little bit too clever and uh, and not going at teams and it was it was quite it was quite poor but you can understand the reason why because we didn't have the right players in our side that could enable, enable us to do that now that we've got Christian Eriksen and the players back we're starting to play the football that we know that Brentford can do um, we've changed our formation we used to be three at the back stroke five at the back and we've changed that to four um, four through three as well um, and, 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 and that is the formation that we played when we were playing our sort of past fluid football in the championship we changed it to three stroke five at the back because we had a few problems with injuries and we were sort of letting in a few goals and not winning games as we wanted to in the championship we needed to go up so we flipped it and we've been carrying on with that formation going into this division um, as it goes what we quite like is the fact that Brentford now can flip between a four and a five at the back. So you never know what you're going to get. And I think that's uh, caught a few managers um, off guard, as it is. Like, you know, I think Chelsea managers, for a start, he got caught off guard. Because tactically, uh, Thomas Frank outdid him in that one, actually. Because he, I think we flipped our formation in that game. And he was like, oh, no, what's going on here? I'm getting absolutely battered. So that was quite good fun, actually, being down there at that game. So... The, the third part of the season, like I said to you, we've had some great games. The Norwich and the Norwich, Norwich away was just, was brilliant. Just was absolutely fantastic. You know, I, my daughter actually had a, uh, an FA Cup. Uh, she had a, she, she plays football under 13s and she had a cup semi final, uh, which was actually about two minutes from Brentford's football ground. And we typically we were playing at Norwich. So I actually, uh, watched the semi final because I had to do that. And then I literally kind of, uh, I had to jump in a taxi, get to the station, go down, got to Norwich at half time, watch the game on, on, on the first half on my phone, on the train, was jumping up and down in the carriage got to the ground second half watched the whole second half caught all the action in the second half and it was great as we got that victory there which to be quite honest with you that was the one which I thought you know there's a lot of nervousness with other fans but I think everyone thought that is sealed Brentford's 
um, place in the in the in the in the Premier League for next season. And uh, the celebration after were, were, were great. And then you know Burnley a couple of weeks after that, or the week after that, we beat them as well. And that really kind of put a nail in their coffin. And also, sort of kind of sort of lifted a lot of fears around New Griffin Park about you know how Brentford are going to do this season. And since then, we've gone from strength to strength. Okay, Leicester away. Uh, Ericsson was he was uh, injured. No, it wasn't injured, actually. He had COVID, so he actually couldn't play last minute, so he's out of the game, and it was a close game with them. They scored again, another couple of worldy goals, if I remember rightly, and uh, and we narrowly uh, lost to them, but the, the, the Leicester fans said, you know, we're so glad that Ericsson didn't play against us because it could have been a very different game. And then, like I said to you, we've, we've had these, these, these victories just recently, you know, the West Ham victory, and then we went away to Watford, and Watford were actually our big, big rivals back in the 70s, like massive, massive rivals for Brentford, believe it or not. Um, I mean, it was quite... Quite, quite dodgy going to a Brentford Watford game. You know they used to even sell uh, outside the ground. We talked about it on our podcast. Uh, they used to sell Watford wankers, uh, um, uh, sort of uh, scarves outside the ground, like you know that people used to sort of buy in and sort of go in and sort of wave them. You know before the game, before there's all sorts of malarkey going on inside and outside the stadium. But um, obviously that rivalry is dissipated because we went there and Watford's a very different club to what it was back then. And uh, and again we had a great day out in the sun. Scored a last minute goal. We do like scoring a last minute goal against teams with a name uh, that starts with W we, we got one against West Ham we got one against Watford a bit early this season as well and the celebrations after that goal I mean Pontus Janssen when he scored it literally you could see it meant so much to him he came over to the, to the fans which he was right by the fans the whole team came over and then afterwards there was the traditional Brentford sort of almost like lap of honour celebration where the whole team and the management and everybody's come over to the fans and they're celebrating and we, we do that pretty much for every game I mean I know a lot of fans get confused by that but win or lose there's always a big celebration because for us Brentford fans we're just celebrating being in this position because to be quite honest with you we're just, we're just happy to be here to be quite honest with you and we're having fun so um Thomas Frank a lot of people ask us about Thomas Frank as a manager I love Thomas Frank we uh, we did a podcast with him in the pub you can just check it out besotted.com or go to our Twitter feed or just Google you know Thomas Frank um, podcast besotted and you'll get it and he sat in the pub for us for three hours and we just sat down there had a few beers had some food and he just told us everything told told us very frankly what he thought about a lot of stuff he even told us about a player that he, they were going to get rid of uh, and we were a little bit like I don't think you should be telling us that but he was very frank about it and then they got rid of him a few days later but obviously they had discussed it with the player before he'd actually uh, kind of uh, left our club like you know and then we and, and so Thomas Frank he's a great guy he's a real people person I could see why the players love him I could see why Christian Eriksen you know loves him as well because he he's so interested in in you in in your family and, and what's going on around you and also he loves football so if you talk football with him literally you could sit down and talk football with ours and you could tell when football people talk football it's just it's just a wonderful thing and he's got time for everybody so like if, if a Tottenham fan came up to him and talked to him he wouldn't just shirk them he literally would he would sit down and he would talk with you because he's, he's that he's really nice bloke we're very lucky to have him and again on this stadium tour that we did we talked about Harry Curtis being the best manager that we ever had that led us from the third division to the, the top division the first division just before the war and Brentford were there and he's the best, best ever manager we had but we said but we've got to actually lay a space for Thomas Frank because he what he's done and his team have done surely is getting into the mode of being the best Brentford manager ever that we've had. So um, talking about players to look out for, um, obviously everyone talks about Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony, very hardworking, good striker. He's right up there with, uh, with a few other players. I think he might be up there with Harry Kane in how many goals he scored. A lot of people moan about the fact that a lot of his goals are penalties, but I mean, you know, he scores the penalties and he's a brilliant penalty taker. And to be honest, if England wanted to uh, actually make sure they win penalties, they literally should take um, Ivan Tony 
over to, to Qatar, which I'll go to in a few months' time, and uh, take him over there and uh, just sit him on the bench if you don't want to play him and just bring him out for the penalties because he's absolutely he's unbelievable, phenomenal. Um, I'm, I'm saying this touch wood. I haven't seen him. He hasn't missed a penalty for us as yet, so I'm saying that touch wood because he'll probably get one on Saturday and he'll probably miss one. But, um, but he's a great player. He works really hard. He's not only a striker, but he's also, you find him on the wing, you find him in the midfield, you find him in defence, he's on the left, he's on the right, he's all over the place. He works very, very hard for his team. If anything, that's probably um, one of the downsides that we say because we want Ivan Tony to be more inside the box um, actually kind of uh, receiving the ball and creating problems in the box but half the time he's spending too much time doing other people's jobs all over the pitch he kind of not is necessarily there in the box to do his job so we think that with Christian Eriksen in the side now creating more opportunities for Ivan Tony, we'll actually see him more in the box actually scoring a few more goals and having to do less of the donkey work in other parts of the pitch and that's why we say it might be quite interesting throwing him into the England fold because uh, again I watch him every week and I see what he's like and he's he's a phenomenal player he's a great player um, and uh, yeah he's really good so I love Ivan Tony, Brian Buno beside him he's a player that doesn't get much plaudits but he is uh, you watch the two of them play off bet- uh, between each other he's a he's a very very clever he's only young he's only 22 um, he's missed I think the most or he's hit the woodwork the most times I think in the Premier League this season I think this hit the woodwork eight times now as well so uh, we, we do have a we do have a bit of a joke going you know sort of sending um, 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 Bumo to, to woodwork classes actually because he, he, he might need a few woodwork lessons like you know um, uh, but if he can get the ball just slightly to the left or slightly to the right or slightly below he would have actually scored more goals but if you watch his play he works very hard he also gets the assists as well uh, in his first season with um, uh, Ollie Watkins and, and, and Ben Rama who both went on to Premier League glory while he stayed in the championship he was part of the infamous BMW which is um, Bumo Watkins and ba- um, Ben Rama um, I'm Ben Rama and Boomer Watkins uh uh, uh, trio and between the three of them they scored 55 goals and he scored I think it was 14 goals in his first goal his first season in the championship for Brentford but um, he probably over he probably over played himself in the fact that he kind of he he scored almost like every time he got a, a really good opportunity that year so he did really well this year he's underperforming we do a lot of stats as you know at Brentford because we're a big stats side um, our owner's a big stats person and the fact is that this is what's got us to where we are so we ain't to sit at all and if you listen to our podcast we talk stats quite a bit but he's actually underperformed on the stats side so he, he I think he's actually eight and he scored about four goals which means that you know the chances that he's getting he's actually not putting him into the back of the net so I believe that Brian and Boomer at some stage will come really good if it's not this season it'll be next season or the season after because he's a very very good player I've talked about Christian I before he, he's our defensive um, um, you know a defensive or well, centre defensive player as well but since we don't actually really have a designated right back when we go four at the back he's actually shifted to the right he's a classy player you normally find him in the opposition's penalty area or in the opposition's half anyway because he likes to he likes to come forward as they say so he's a great player look at Rico Henry as well and our left back I reckon that he and not only me but a lot of Brentford fans that he should be a an England left back because he is honestly he's phenomenal he's almost like one of those players who goes under the radar and then you see him his work where his play his speed you think why isn't he playing at another club or at another higher level or playing for England or something because he is 
unbelievable fullback again, you know, against against Watford again last week and a couple of games before that. He's just been playing out of his skin. But you always get other people that get the plaudits, like, you know, Ericsson and Tony. They always get the plaudits above him. And we're quite happy with that because, to be quite honest with you, keep him under the radar and keep him with Brentford because he's a, he's a fantastic player. I mean, I can go on about, obviously, you know, about Pontus Janssen. You know, we nabbed him from Leeds and they weren't very happy about that. But he's a great leader for Brentford. David Ray, I've spoken about him before. He's a sweeper-keeper. He'll literally nutmeg three players and then sort of kind of loft a 70-yard pass to the feet of a, of a winger or a striker for them to put in the back of the net. He's an incredible goalkeeper and he's def- you can see the difference is massive since he's come back into our side. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, like I said, I've given you uh, an idea of a few players to look out for Brentford. Um, as for the Spurs match, um, so how's this game going to go? Uh, I actually predicted, and I've got to say this, I said um, before the Chelsea game, on our podcast, I said we're going to beat Chelsea. And I didn't say it arrogantly. I just felt that we've had a bad run of games. We've had games which we should have won, like Man United. We should have beaten them, but we didn't put our chances away. And we should have done. And also, I just felt that there's a new era around Brentford. There's a new feel around Brentford, a real era of positivity. And I said, um, everyone's going on us about beating Burnley, beating Norwich, you know. Oh, you know, we should beat Watford, hopefully. You know, we should beat Everton, hopefully. You know what I'm saying? Look at the games where teams are below you and you think... You'd like to beat them. You want to get a result. And I said, we're going to get a result against a team that no one expects us to. And I said, it's going to be Chelsea or Spurs. And I believe we're going to beat Chelsea. And I said that on our podcast and we beat Chelsea. So... I think, unfortunately, I might have actually kind of um, <laughs> run out on this one because I said Chelsea or Spurs. So this Spurs game, I know, is going to be really tough. I see the way that you guys, you've got some fantastic players on your side. Uh, I really like watching the way that you play your football. Um, not necessarily under Mourinho. I didn't enjoy that style of football, but I do enjoy the style of football that you play when you actually play your fast-breaking game. And like when you played us down at, um, at Tottenham early in the season, the breaks, that was just pure Tottenham. When you came out, literally, we lost the ball and you just went bang, 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 bang. Bang, 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 Bush in the back of the net. Son, fantastic player, fast. Harry Kane, obviously, everyone knows about him. Like, you know, Regulon had a great game against us, I think, uh, you know, where he was causing us problems down that side as well. So, listen, we know what you uh, guys can do. And uh, I think it's going to be very, very tough for us. I think maybe you might sit back and try and hit us on the break. So you want us to come at you. I don't know what Thomas Frank has got in his plans for that one. But, you know, obviously we've got a different set of kind of uh, factors involved in this game as as what we did do when we went to Tottenham. So I think it's going to be a very, very different game, that one as well. And also the other thing is that, you know, with Christian Eriksen and his set pieces, it just makes a, a hell of a difference to to, to what, we, what we can do. You know, 90 plus fourth minute at Watford and Christian Eriksen free kick on the edge of the area and there's boom bang in the back of the net so I think it's going to be a great game it's going to be an exciting game the good one for Brentford is that you know there's no pressure on us it's not a big deal at all for us you know this season you know whatever happens to us it's not a biggie at all we're totally cool with whatever happens on Saturday because we're just happy to be here we're happy to have a laugh we're going to have a good sing song you're going to see the atmosphere in the stadium is going to be electric anyway and so you know just come down come down early it's a 5.30 kickoff. get down to Brentford really early there's pubs everywhere besotted.com we do a pub guide on Friday um, Ian Westbrook do it, does that so you should check that out most definitely you can wear your colours you can go into any pub you want to there's no bouncers on the door none of that nonsense I think there might be a few in queue but they're, they're not going to not let you in it's just that they have to be there apparently but most pubs um, 
you, they'll let you in. There's pubs down the river in Kew on Strand on the Green. There's pubs over the over the uh, over the river in Kew on Kew just over Kew Bridge as well. But also, like I said, you we drink in the Globe, which is a pub which is just in Brentford as well. It's only 15 minutes walk from the ground as well, and it's still quite lively, quite busy, and way fan friendly as well. So you're welcome to come down there. It's a great atmosphere. Like I said, to you you could wear your colours. You know, you could walk down the ground, and there's a few other pubs in in and around Brentford itself, especially in and around the ground as well that you could actually go and check out check out the old Brentford so like I said you check out that pub guide in the globe um, on um, besotted.com no not in the globe but a pub guide in besotted besotted.com you should definitely check that out and it'll tell you everywhere that you need to go so uh, Saturday um, you want me to give you a score prediction hard for me to give a score prediction I gave one on our podcast and I suppose I should be um, I, I, should, I should be sort of uniform and give the same prediction that I gave on our podcast I'm going to go on a roll because I think I've got the last five predictions right um, except for the Leicester one actually but that one doesn't count so I'm, I actually went for a two Two 0 win for Brentford, and I'm not saying that as a disrespect to Tottenham, but I'm just you know just happy to be here and having a little bit of a laugh. To be quite honest with you, I'd be happy with a draw. Um, the result is I'll be happy with a draw, but I know that Tottenham are gunning for Champions League play, so it's going to be a big game for them. So I think it's going to be a big game, big atmosphere, a bit of a laugh. Come for a beer beforehand, and afterwards, you know, whichever team wins, we'll have a beer afterwards. So thank you very much, Tottenham fans, for having me on your podcast. I've gone on quite a bit about this, but you found out hopefully quite a bit about Brentford, and hopefully. I will catch up with you on Saturday afternoon. For our watching audience on YouTube, thank you so much. 300, 400 of you watching us live um, on a Premier League evening. So thank you so much, as always, for your support. Em, let's start with you then. So Spurs aiming to get their top four charge back underway this coming Saturday evening against Brentford. It's a London derby. What do we expect going into this one? Well, I think especially after Brighton, Definitely expect a difficult game. Um, you know, I think Brentford only recently beaten Chelsea and West Ham. So, you know, they can't be taken for granted. And, um, you know, I was saying to you before that um, after Brighton, Larice said about Brighton, you know, they're a team that are sort of sitting around the mid-table, can enjoy the rest of the games because they're not necessarily battling for, you know, as we are the top four. And I think Brentford's the same. You know, they're only a couple of positions below Brighton. They can sort of enjoy the football. You know, it's going to be at their home ground, under the lights. They're going to have all the support behind them. And I think it's going to be a very difficult game. Um, and I think, you know, if Tottenham, you know, if the if the Brighton game can have, can have been a bit of a blip and Tottenham can go back to the performances they were producing before that, then I do think that we can get the three points, but it's just whether that can happen. And I just definitely think you can't go into it taking anything for granted, being complacent at all, because it's definitely going to be a very hard battle. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Um, in, in the comments here, there's lots of already incoming pain, uh, lots of frustration already. I mean, coming over to you, Mitch, Brentford coming into this game, they're 11th in the Premier League table now. Um, many will probably feel that they've almost secured their safety all bar a couple of points. So they're in a situation where, similar to Brighton, they can approach the game with a real freedom and they can express the way they want to play without really having to be too rigid and fully focused in terms of having to stay to a game plan with the concern of Spurs really cutting them open. How do you see Brentford approaching this one for you, Mitch? Um, I feel like, you know, in relation to what you said, as far as that they might feel like they're close, uh, they, they breach safety, I feel like they might even, you know, in all honesty, I feel like they'll go 100% and try to get the three points because obviously, even though it looks that way, I mean, 
referring back to what Chris said, the Premier League is so unpredictable. You never really know what's going to happen one week or one, um, the other. And I'm not saying, obviously, they're going to, nothing's going to happen to him to get him relegated, but they want to feel like, you know, OK, we want to finish the season on, on, a, on, a, on a high. So let's go in with these next few games, as, as, as do we do. So as we do, sorry. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm, I feel like they'll come in with 100%. And knowing that it is a derby, a London derby, sorry. Um, yeah, it's going to be a real intense game. That's just how I think it will be. Mm. I mean, Chris, coming over to you, we're going to need to start a lot faster than what we started, of course, against Brighton. But I thought what's interesting is that Brighton, they, they sorry, Brentford, they actually play a very compact style of football and they are very well drilled to soak up any kind of pressure. I mean, we saw Brighton use that tactic very well at Spurs at the weekend where if they keep that same formula to the likes of Son, Kane and Kulisevsky can keep them at bay, we could be in for yet another difficult afternoon slash evening. How do you see this one playing out, Chris? Because Arsenal would have played beforehand and we know you're nice at the moment, although today they've appointed Eric Ten Hag. We don't know how much of a lift that's going to give them because United are so unpredictable at the moment. There's going to be a lot of pressure going into this game for Tottenham, you feel, regardless of whatever happens at Arsenal or during that game earlier in the day. I... I think that Arsenal win against Manchester United. So, of course, yeah, we're then right. going to be three points behind them going into this game, um, which, of course, Antonio Conte has spoke about pressure a number of times in the last few weeks. And, um, you know, if we do have that pressure, it's how we cope with it. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to pick up the three points. But with that said, um, Brentford have had some fantastic performances in their first season in the Premier League. Um, only a couple of weeks ago, beating Chelsea 4-1 at Stamford Bridge. You know, we've only won there once in the Premier League uh, since 1992. Um, and the way that they beat West Ham United a, a week or two ago as well, um, earlier on in the season, they had a, a good victory against Arsenal at home. I think that was their first home game in the Premier League. Um, so they've had some really, really good results. Um, but Tottenham, you know, in the first 10 minutes, I think that we'll know what sort of performance that we're going to get and what sort of result we're going to get. Um, you know, it was a worry in that first half against Aston Villa um, how many chances Aston Villa had, even though we won that game 4-0, you know, scoring three in the in the second half. But um, going back to the, the push for the top four, when um, we beat Newcastle 5-1 and, of course, beat Aston Villa 4-0, that could be absolutely huge. You know, goal difference. You know, yeah, it could go down yeah. to goal difference um, yeah. you know, right at the end of the season. But all we need to do, and I'm going to say these these famous words, all we need to do is match Arsenal's results you know, until the end of the season and we will go through on goal difference. Um, but I just think Saturday, I know I know we're going to probably come down to predictions. I think Saturday is going to be a very, very difficult game. Hmm. It's interesting. I mean, Em, coming over to you, uh, 15 points from the last 80 on offer <coughs> Brentford have taken. You know, they've firmly cemented their standing now as mid-table. Um, and you just feel they're only two points off Leicester. And that's a place in the top 10. I mean, they've been really impressive over the last four or five weeks. And you just feel for them now... Ericsson as well coming to the fore. Um, I think they're going to really enjoy the game, Emma, rather than going and fearing playing Spurs. Yeah, I definitely agree. And this is what I mean. This is why they can't be taken for granted. And, you know, we can't go into it being complacent. And I agree. I do think, you know, they're going to go into it a home game. They know they've beaten some of the top teams this season. They're going to enjoy the game. They have the fans behind them. And it's just whether sort of Tottenham can sort of overcome that and sort of quiet them down. And, you know, that's why I think going into it, as Chris said, the first 10 minutes, I think we'll know how it's going to pan out. I think if we can get an early goal and get on top quickly, I think that's going to be crucial. Um, and I just think it, it's all now down to 
hopefully the players can turn up and produce some of the good performances that they have already this season. But I do think, yeah, Brentford have proven that they're not a team to be taken lightly or for granted. Mm, agree. Mitch, I mean, they've had three clean sheets in their last four games at home. You know, um, they're only behind Chelsea in terms of London Derby points won this season, which again is really impressive from them. Um, how do you see Mitch Spurs lining up? Do you think we'll make a couple of changes in there? I mentioned to Chris earlier that personally for me, um, I would have liked to see Session come on against Brighton. Would you like to see him start the game maybe in place of Regulon at the weekend? Yeah, um, in my opinion, yeah, I feel like to relate back to what Emma said as well, I think we might need that flair. Uh, we might need that flair in the squad. And um, yeah, I'll be excited. I'm excited to, to see the changes that he makes. Um, but I feel like, yeah, we need, to, we need to go in. We need to start the game fast. I think one of the people said it here in the comments as well. We definitely need to start the game um, with 100% and, and try to secure a couple of the goals and pretty much just go in cruise control from there, to be fair. Chris, I know obviously team news divides many people's opinions. What changes would you like to see seen, or what changes would you like, Chris, to be made, you know, when we look at comparatively that Brighton game? Would you look to make any changes at all? Uh, I actually agree with you. And I never, ever thought I'd say this this season, but I hope that Sessegnon does come in uh, for Sergio Reguilon. I think that he has been um, much better than Sergio Reguilon. I don't quite know what's happened to Reguilon in these last, mm. uh, well, this season, actually. Yeah. Um I do feel that we are a little bit weak um, on on uh, you know both full, full backs, and I hope that Antonio Conte and Spurs um, you know do address that in the summer. That definitely needs sorting because the wing backs are so important to our formation, to our game, uh, the way that we play our formation. Um, you know, so we need two really really decent full backs. But I think that that will be the only change. Uh, you know, this team at the moment is picking itself, and as I said earlier, I just hope that we don't pick up any injuries from now until the end of the season because. You know, the front three, I don't know, we've been going for nearly an hour now. None of us have mentioned Kuliszewski in the way that he has played, um, you know, so far this season, fitting in with yeah. Hunmin Son and Harry Kane. They've been absolutely brilliant, um, you know, for this push uh, to the top four. Um, but that is the only change that I could see making. And the other thing is, is if we are chasing the game, we do need a goal. I hope that Stephen Bergvine does get a few more minutes um, because... You know, have you been these surprised, games, Chris, like... that he's not come on as a... Sorry to interrupt you there. Have yeah. you been surprised, Chris, that he hasn't come on as the first yeah. up as opposed to Lucas? Because I mean, at the weekend, Lucas just frustrates me so much. I don't well, know, like I said, it's just me. Yeah. We talk about we talk about game changers and we talk about fantastic moments and fantastic... Um, you know, it's a real turning point, I think, this season. Leicester away. You know, to win that game, the way that Steven Bergwijn won it in those dying seconds, you know, like the Ajax moment, um, but not so good. Um, but it was a it was a fantastic night, and I'm surprised since then he hasn't got more minutes. We want game changers. We want a goal scorer, and Stephen Bergvine is very capable. Um, so I just hope that he gets more minutes. So if we are, um, you know, chasing the game, 10, 20 minutes to go, or even 30 minutes to go, give him some time because you can't expect someone to come on with you know five minutes to go. And I suppose that's my only real little criticism of Antonio Conte that he's not using. Um, some players to, to their maximum ability because I've no doubt that Bergwijn will probably want to leave in the summer for that reason, you know, not yeah. not having enough game time. Certainly when these players go off on international duty, um, they play, they score, they assist, and then, of course, they come back to Spurs and then you get a couple of minutes at the end of a match when we're really chasing it. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely on that. Emma, come over to you. Um, do you still see or expect Emerson Royale to keep his place on that right-hand side of the defence? Or will Spurs try and change it up a little bit, you know, to the point of maybe even looking to bring 
Bergvine in as an inverted right wing back, or dare I say, even push Kalisevsky back there. Can you see that being an option? Would you see Conte making such a? It would be a, quite a dramatic change, bearing in mind how consistent he's been with his selection of Emerson since February. Yeah, I think my simple answer is I, I would keep Royal there. You know, I think I, I haven't. You know, I, I think there's a, a lot of debate around whether you know he needs more time or whether he just isn't going to sort of improve. But I just think. Kula, bringing Kulazewski back, I don't think would be a good idea. You know, he's doing so well alongside Son and Kane and to sort of change that now, it's sort of like, why fix something that's not broken? Um, I think, you know, Bergwijn is an option, but you've obviously got that where Emerson, you know, isn't doing as well on the attacking front. Would Bergwijn do enough on the defensive front? And I think, again, you know, we've seen how consistent Conte's been with his lineups, you know, apart from the rotations due to injury. So, you know, I don't think Royal isn't necessarily making that the required impact on the right. But as it stands, I kind of feel like he's he's got to stay there. And just on Bergvan, I do agree. I think he needs to come on a lot earlier. You know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Mora, but I think in, you know, I was looking at it before and I think it's the last six games, Mora's either come on before or at the same time as Bergvan. And yeah. I just think, you know, as we spoke about the Leicester game and, you know, other, other games he's come on and made an impact as a sub, I just think he does need to be given more time. And I also think going into next season, as you said, you know, whatever European competition we're in, there's going to be a lot more games People like Bergvine are the players we're going to need to rotate. And if you don't give him the game time, he's not going to want to stay. So I think I would keep Emerson at right wing back, but I would bring on Bergvine earlier if needs be. Yeah, no, what, I agree. What, what European competition will that be, though, Emma? <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to say anything. <laughs> we'll leave that one um, for the post mortem. We won't at, at least if we don't. Um... Hey, go on, Mitch. Yeah, but yeah, at least if we don't... Um, to, to, now, to make a reference to Chris's uh, what European uh, competition would that be in, I mean, I just want to ask you guys, do you feel like, will you be happy with Europa League if we do, you know, if we don't get Champions League, would you be happy with Europa League? I mean, it's better than Conference League, I guess. Chris, I'm muted first, so you can go first on the buzzer. <laughs> go on, Chris. Do, do you know what? Um, <laughs> seriously, I, I think that Antonio Conte is way further ahead than what he thought he would be. I don't think I that he thought that yeah. we would be anywhere near uh, yeah. Champions League. So I think that he would have been very happy with a Europa League spot. And when we talk about club direction, as long as we are going back in the right direction, mm. um, of course, it was, a, it was a massive come down this season to play Europa Conference League. But yeah. I think if we went into the Europa League with Antonio Conte next season, I think that we would be favourites, like we were favourites for the Europa Conference League this season. Um, of course, we end up getting chucked out of the competition. But Con- Conte in the Europa League, you know, it sounds quite it, it sounds quite tasty. Yeah, well, listen, I think, again, the attraction of Europa League yeah. football, I want to give an attraction to it. it. You can actually get through to the Champions League by winning it. You know, that's a route that you can do. But I think everyone at Spurs will be fully focused on these next, what, six remaining games now. Champions League, because we've got into that position now, I think we'd all feel we'd be devastated now to not make it because Spurs have got themselves into that position. Mitch, it's prediction time. Let's come to you first. Give us your prediction ahead of the game, Mitch. What are you going to go for? I hate prediction and time. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 to us. 2-1 to us. And Spurs. I'll be like a late minute win, a late late game winner. That's what, that's how, that's how yeah, 2-1 okay. Spurs. Interesting, a late game winner. Fantastic. Okay. Em, let's come to you. What are you going to go for? I'm also going to go 2-1. 
And I think we might go behind to start with yeah. and then come back. I mean, I just hope whatever happens, we just get the three points. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go 3-1 Spurs. I agree, though. I can see us going behind early on, but coming back to win, I just feel the quality at the end of the game will see us through. Chris, you're going to be there. And I know you're going to be doing a show straight after as well, knowing you. So give us your prediction what you're going to go for. Um, You'll probably be surprised by this, but I'm actually going to go for a draw. I'm really hoping that really? we win, but I think yeah. it's going to be such a difficult game. Mm. Um, so I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw, but I'm, I'm really hoping and praying that we win. And what you said earlier, you, you expect Arsenal to beat Manchester United earlier in the day, in your opinion? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, that, I think the North London derby mm. could ultimately decide who finishes yeah. in the top four. I really do. Okay. Well, we shall yeah. wait to see. We really yeah. shall. Mitch, it's been lovely having you on last one on Spurs this evening. Mitch, where can we find you across the socials? Please let us know. Uh, Instagram, um, Misha underscore artist. Uh, Twitter, Misha underscore artist as well. Uh, YouTube, Misha artist. And yeah, got a lot of music and got my EP dropping this summer. So hopefully Tottenham doesn't ruin these next few, <laughs> no. these next few, um, well, next few games, the next few weeks uh, towards the season, <laughs> and then I'll be, I'll be, I'll be good to, I'll be good to enjoy my summer. But um, yeah, that's where you can find me, guys. Amazing, but a pleasure having you back on, Mitch. And thankfully, it's not been for a Europa Conference League night. Although many might have been favouring that if it was a final. So listen, we'll leave that one up for debate. It's been a pleasure having you back on, Emma. Loving your work over at Football London. Where can we find you and all the crew over there? Yeah, all all stuff on Football London. Me, Ali, and Rob, and on Twitter at Emma underscores underscore to duvet and thanks for having me on it's been a great show yeah it's been brilliant always flying always great and we're hoping for the right end of the season and one man that's gonna steer you through thick or thin unfortunately not trophies but it will feel like a trophy if spurs do achieve the full spot will be chris cowling guiding you along that way with wonderful content live shows and all chris where can we find your wonderful youtube channel surely the trophies must be coming soon rick well, mate, honestly, for how long you've done it for, they've got to be coming soon. I they've got you. to be coming soon. My God, yeah, if they don't yeah. come under Antonio Conte, then what? I then what? Even... You have an Let's not. <laughs> Can't even think and comprehend where we're going to be going from there if it's not under Antonio. I tell you, but the, the mood, Chris, as well, it is under Conte. It just feels like under Poch, there is something happening. I'm sure you probably agree with that as well, right? It does feel back to those early days under Pochettino where fans are getting excited again. That's very true. Um, going to all the games, um, you know, the fans are so much, uh, you know, happier now, excited. Um, you know, that mood is back. Of course, the the blip against Brighton um, on Saturday, but hopefully we can turn it around this Saturday. But in answer to your question, um, yes, uh, run a YouTube channel called Tottenham Fan Chris Cowling. Uh, so if you don't uh, know of that, check it out. And uh, yeah, lots of content, daily content. Amazing. Love it, Chris. Thank you so much. Love having you back on. I know you'll be back on with us before the end of the season, so really looking forward to that. Well, guys, from Emma, from Mitchie, from Chris, myself, guys, keep safe, keep well. Big game on Saturday. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.